Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. Happy birthday, Erica. Thank you. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. So you decided, you know what I like to watch my birthday is episode one of Planet of the Alex. That's what you said. And so we did. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. Well, first we watched The Awful Truth, um, which is a Cary Grant and Irene Dunn movie from the 1930s. Um, 1937, as a matter of fact. Yep. Uh, because you bought it for me on the Criterion Blu-ray. Thank you. You're welcome. But I bought that and three other movies. Uh, neither, none of which I don't think have a Doctor Who connection, sadly. So that's how much I love you. As I buy you <laughs> things that don't even have any tangential relation to Doctor Who whatsoever. Thank you. You're very kind. You're you're a good gift giver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've taken your birthday off though, and so uh, so we're here to watch some Doctor Who, which is fine. I like watching Doctor Who with you. Yep. Yep, I decided I was going to take a personal day from work so I could be lazy and <laughs> watch Doctor Who. <laughs> After all, that's how it all started. <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, yep. Yeah, and uh, I've never seen Planet of the Daleks. For sure? I, I am quite sure about this one. I feel like I, I know a few things about it just through fandom osmosis, but very little. Like, I didn't know Thals were going to show up. Right. No idea. I mean, I assume Daleks were eventually going to be part of the deal. Well, maybe the doctor didn't, because <laughs> judging by his surprise at the very end, because uh, he goes, Daleks, even though he's the one that actually signaled the Time Lords to follow him where the Daleks were going, mm. and then he was surprised by them. But, you know, episode one, cliffhanger. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, he he might not even remember that he signaled the Time Lords. We, I, I mean, maybe that will be made clear later, but as of episode one, mm-hmm. he was in real bad shape after getting shot at the beginning. And, you know, thank God he bought all that Ikea furniture. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's some, yeah, uh, don't get used to this set, by the way. It's, no. um, the, uh, the the bed is uh, is made for this episode and then promptly disappears. I mean, he's got, not only does he have the uh, whole Ikea cabinet with a locker to yep. keep his little tape recorder in and the bed and everything, but he's got another little Ikea cabinet for his extra oxygen supply that for some reason the TARDIS needs. Yeah, it doesn't have because mm-hmm. two of the three tanks are immediately empty and yep. yeah. I mean, weird. that, uh, okay, I the TARDIS needing an extra oxygen supply seems ridiculous to me, but I think at this point they hadn't... The TARDIS lore has not come quite as far as it has at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so fine, whatever. Uh, but I'm totally okay with two of the three extra tanks being pretty much empty because it's not like he's been trucking around in this a ton. He was trapped on Earth for the longest time. Oh. Stuff, you know, you forget about things when you're trying to fix your car constantly. You don't necessarily remember to, I don't know, like update the the things in the first aid kit in the glove compartment or something like that like this is this is the kind of little bitty maintenance that you might forget while you're working on getting the engine running right i had to throw out some peanut butter the other day that we didn't even open uh, because it already passed its expiry date Mm. that we bought long ago thinking we'd eat more peanut butter in this pandemic Mm -hmm. so peanut butter in a pandemic it's the same as oxygen in a tardis during an exile sure that's the that that is a comparison i was not expecting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good good work nor was i to be fair <laughs> uh terry nation returns to the world of doctor who for the first time in eight years uh da- dalek's master plan um mm-hmm. he returns because he intended the daleks to leave and so did doctor who and then they uh for day of the daleks they thought hey you know what would be really cool here daleks uh, and so they put him into day of the daleks and they thought you know who we should have checked out 
uh, if we could use the Daleks or not. Uh, Terry Nation. Oops. And so uh, they said, oh, that's fine. But um, I'll tell you what, how about I get first write a refusal and maybe I write a story each year or something. So Terry Nation comes back and writes and includes references to uh, the very first Dalek story. Um, you could see some tropes in there in that, you know, you remember the first Dalek story way back when and all of a sudden, hey, there's a food machine that everybody gets mentioned again. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Other little neat things in the TARDIS that happen. Uh, the Doctor and Companion get separated, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. There's a, a living jungle instead of a dead jungle, but it's still kind of a jungly area. Yep, that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So there, there, are, there are some tropes, I, I would say. I don't know if that's intentional or not, or okay. if Terry Nation is just going, hey, you know what would be really cool with this thing? And he forgets that he actually says them. I know I've done that on podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I... Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I liked I liked him reminiscing about the first Doctor. Like, I I don't know why, but like it completely took me by surprise. This was a thing I did not know from fandom. It absolutely like just I don't know. It was like a what's a, a positive gut punch? Um, but it was a positive gut punch right. when I saw the third Doctor John Pertwee's mouth saying, you know, it's Susan and Ian and Barbara. I was yeah. just like, what? Like, just I, I don't know. That was that was a really incredible fanish moment to just you know tie tie the show together like we are acknowledging what came before and how important it was and yeah i don't know that was great (laughs) i know it's we're we're at the point in the history where the 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 fandom nature Mm -hmm. appeasing to fandom pandering to fandom (laughs) uh mentioning anything in the past of the show is not necessarily something that is common uh and so to see that you're right it's like oh my god like and they're you know and for those i.e many uh i.e pretty much well maybe not many because it was only you know 10 years ago um if they don't remember that story Mm -hmm. uh it certainly wasn't repeated uh the novelization i think might have probably just about come out or was about to come out the first oh oh, no wait the novelization came out in 65 i'm thinking of the first target novelizations Mm -hmm. but you know that story is out there but not necessarily seen so it's it's a it's the first instance of watching something and sort of them discussing an on-screen incident but let like do you need to have seen that to understand what's going on i think they 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 covered it mm-hmm. rather adeptly yeah yeah it was good it, like it it didn't have that as you know bob yeah feeling it was more just like we are checking your credentials and here yeah. are my credentials so like mm-hmm. it 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 worked yeah it was it was cool. Yeah, like it's it said with the same kind of um, importance as the as last story when the doctor's talking about uh, you know I um, conferred with the draconian emperor five hundred years ago or something mm-hmm. like that and and it's got that same sort of like oh the doctor's been around you know we don't necessarily that was not an uh, a scene adventure on TV mm-hmm. and for all we know the mm-hmm. the original um, Dalek assault wasn't either but yep you know. yeah so. Very cool. I, I quit. And speaking of, I mentioned the tape recorder earlier, which is uh, a cute little prop. I like that it sort of looks like a cassette. It is a cassette. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. But somehow it records yep. audio, or maybe maybe it doesn't, and Joe just thinks it does. We don't know. <laughs> like. <laughs> she, she, somewhere on the TARDIS console there's the actual cassette player that's like sitting there waiting to be used but she just took the cassette thinking this is it and just presses an imaginary button and thinking mm-hmm. Joe you actually have to put that in the machine and press record on the machine mm-hmm. yeah but uh, but I sorry 
Don't forget to press record. Play and record, Joe. Play and record. Otherwise, you're just going to play it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Play and record. Yeah. Wow, that, that takes me back. Boy, for our younger listeners on cassette recorders, you had to hit the play button and the rec- record button at the same time. And I had one that was very chunky. And it was actually like difficult for my poor, pathetic little child fingers right. to press those two buttons at the same time. So I had to use my thumbs. I will tell you this. Uh-huh. Uh, modern technology... Uh-huh is still the same. <laughs> At work, we have two things that we press record on. It's a data recorder and then an XD cam, which is kind of like a super high uh, uh, quality disc recorder. Mm-hmm. And you press play and record on that too. Wow. Yep. <laughs> to, del- to this day. That actually delights me and I don't know why, but it's, it's it seems silly, but I like it. It's like a fail safe. You know, you I press play and record. If oh, you just yeah. press play... Oh, the record. numbers are moving. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you have to actually hit because I I hold down I press the record button and it puts it in standby mode so I can see the source that's coming in, uh-huh. and then the time code will move because that's what it is. And then you hit and it says play mm-hmm. on there, and then you hit record as well, and then it records. So wow, yeah, I suppose that's, that's smart. So you don't accidentally record over your cassette tape um, by just discurs- yeah by just pressing record. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I'm glad we hashed that out. It's very important. Um, <laughs> yep. But uh, but Joe did none of that, so no, all of this not. is just yep. Mm-hmm. She's literally pressing the back of a of a cassette. There's no button. No, it's not even a cassette. It's the case. Mm-hmm. It's a cassette in the case. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Uh, I don't know the history of cassettes, but for some reason, I assume they were more. You know, maybe cars had eight tracks at the time. Some did. I don't know when cassettes came in mm-hmm. t- to vogue in cars. <laughs> I'm not sure. I know my parents had an eight track cassette player i believe in their car because yeah. i think they had like alice cooper and black sabbath or something like that on eight nice. track i remember as a right? kid <laughs> yep wow yeah when did cassettes come in hmm. the history of cassettes on the next no episode of- there's probably a podcast out there for that just just search for it uh <laughs> anyway i was gonna say that 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 particular cassette um was a really nice touch because then you don't have to have Joe talking to herself like she is at the very beginning of the story. Um, yep. She actually is able to narrate for us. You, you might you might think that's why they included a log in the actual episode because when Terry Nation last wrote for Doctor Who, there was a bunch more companions that could two of them could talk to each other and then that. But if Joe has no one to talk to, well, mm-hmm. guess I'll just record it on the log. Yep, yep. It works though. It does. It's very smart, and I feel like. Uh, I feel like she does a really good job of it. Like it's a good performance because it's like Joe is so much more competent than people a lot of times give her credit for. She's doing a good job of, you know, basically narrating what's happening, saying the important things to get them down for the future, assuming she had pressed play and record. And, uh, (laughs) but also like giving that performance, Katie Manning is doing it with like, she is, very clearly trying to be professional and make sure the important information is there. But you can tell she is also nervous and worried and kind of heartbroken because mm-hmm. the doctor who she cares a lot about is in trouble and she doesn't know if he's going to live. And yeah, like I just, I think it's, it is a tough thing to pull off being the only person on, you know, it's a one woman show at that point basically. And that's not an easy thing. And I think she does a, a great job of it. Yeah. She's a good actor. Mm-hmm. I think I think we kind of, uh, you know, I've been listening to Toby Haydock's uh, Who's Round, not Who's Round, uh, Happy Times and Places, and he's often like he has to sort of pick a favorite thing for each episode 
um, to match up with what the guest who suggested the episode is. And he, uh, he often says this. He often just overlooks the main cast all the time because they're always there. And you underestimate the main cast. And somebody just sort of, you look for the new things, the jungle, the sets, the mm-hmm. people or anything. That's it. And you just completely bypass the doctor and the regular companion. You realize that, you know, Katie Manning is like almost three years into playing this role and she's got it down. You know, mm-hmm. she's just got that sort of like nervous and brave kind of, mm-hmm. you know, yep. roll down. Yeah. I like to that and this might not be on purpose it might just be a random thing but i like that you know she when she takes her t- the time to change her clothes which like that's no surprise right. but i like that the outfit that she changes into is sort of like it's almost like a power suit kind of like it's it's a little <laughs> bit businessy it's like it's got the shoulders that say i am large and in charge right. and i can do i can do this i can take care of business mm-hmm. right now and i don't know if that was a costume like design choice or if it was just like this is the next in the you know string of amazing and great outfits that joe gets (laughs) to wear but i was i was looking at that like the the zipper that's to the off to the side and the zipper on the pocket and then you know the the pants like i just i want that outfit so bad down to the coat like the yellow coat over Mm -hmm. it oh for my birthday next year can you please hire somebody to tailor that exact outfit for me so i can please wear it to work oh god please don't let me still be working in an office by that time i just want to have it well uh, how about i uh, work on that but also uh, irene dunn's costume from uh the awful truth <laughs> mm-hmm. with the uh the pant the big uh, crazy pants that she had going on yeah i would i would prefer my pants not to literally pool on the ground around my feet like right. you know at the be and there's a, there's one scene where she's wearing a dress that has a train and it's like okay like that's i always feel like dresses with trains are a little bit obnoxious but i can Mm -hmm. understand it pants that are so big and long that they have a train that's no good no thank you (laughs) well okay we might adapt those but the top was pretty cool i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah agreed Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like like honestly i could see joe in that uh, irene dunn outfit with the uh, the designs and the the flare around the uh, around the waist like there's there's a you know irene dunn in a lot of her films actually wears very constructed sort of suit type tops and outfits and dresses yeah with a lot of and and part of it's because like she's in the black and white era and she is often playing uh comedic characters Mm -hmm. so like they they tend to do a good job reflecting the you know the personality and style and stuff of of the actors so she's got a lot of like tailored and constructed things as opposed to like soft and flowy things that you don't see her in that a lot Mm -hmm. and i feel like joe joe to me works a little bit better that way as well like when I think about her cool off out, outfits, a lot of them are a little bit more structured and tailored. And like there are some sort of softer things, but there aren't. She doesn't have a lot of flowy things. Joe doesn't wear a lot of flow. No, she, she wears some like soft and fuzzy things. But the stuff that I really like the best tends to be the you know like the what was it the mini skirt outfit from Closet Access that looks like she's wearing a couch, but it's amazing. Um, like, like that kind of thing. That's right. a little bit stiffer fabric, a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like this, this top too has, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a couch. Like I could, I could picture it no, or a chair. Yeah. Like a big, big, uh, big cushy chair in that same fabric, but no zippers. I thought suitcase myself. Ah, yes, yes. Yep. See? Mm-hmm. Old timey ones where you have to actually pick it up like a bag before we discovered like little wheelie things. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, I love love this might this might be my new favorite joe outfit and i am a little like this story is really fun because i know so little about it i had i don't know that i've ever even seen a picture of katie manning in this outfit before and i am disappointed in the internet 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, maybe we've been shielding you from yeah, spoilers mm-hmm. uh, for Doctor Who stories that you hadn't seen yet. I know, but I feel like I've seen a lot of pictures of Katie Manning in a lot of great outfits, and this is this is one I missed. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> on behalf of the internet for shielding you from these uh, mm-hmm. this outfit for for this story. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, outfits, we also have some um, some spacesuits. And a and a guy who knows space medicine. Space med- Bernard Horsfall makes his mm-hmm. return to Doctor Who in his third uh, story, all of them directed by David Maloney. Oh. Um, he was, of course, in The Mind Robber, played Gulliver in The Mind Robber, and played the main Time Lord in The, the War Games, last chapter of The War Games. And we have Prentice Hancock mm-hmm. in his second of four appearances on Doctor Who. What was his first one again? He was a reporter. The, his only uh, sort of like non-sardonic role in Doctor Who is a reporter in episode two, I think, of uh, Spearhead from Space. Gotcha. I, I remember that now, now that you mentioned that. And yeah. I know he's eventually coming up in the Rebus operation because I can't stop talking about that story. And I just mentioned it on an episode of Verity that has been recorded but not dropped yet. That's right. Uh, I look forward to watching the Rebus operation, mm-hmm. as I always do. I, I saw uh, on that topic, just because it's your birthday, we can just talk about it wherever <laughs> we want. I was uh, There was an app that had like a bunch of free TV, British TV on it, on, on the Fire Stick. So I downloaded it and looked through there. And there's a show called Budgie from the early 1970s. I've heard that name. Yeah. Uh, London Weekend Television made it. Uh, the first four episodes were made in black and white mm. because there was an industrial strike, the uh, same one that affected the first six episodes of Upstairs, Downstairs, <laughs> because they had to move into color. Uh, and the technicians just says, we are not properly trained in color. We are going on strike. And so they actually made some of these episodes. Good for white. them. Yep. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, that's the last time I'll hear about industrial action <laughs> in the 1970s. Anyway, uh, one of the stars of I have no idea what the show is about. Don't at me. I bet you I will find many Doctor Who actors in it. One of the stars is one Ian Cuthbertson, who, of course, goes on to play uh, Garen. Garen. I was going to say the graph in decay, but no, Garen. Yeah. He turned up in as a as a preacher in uh, a couple episodes of Duchess of Duke Street as well. Ooh. So, yeah. My Ian Cuthbertson radar was always peaked. Always excited to see him turn up somewhere. Yep. Makes me happy. Yep. So, Budgie. The show is called Budgie. No idea what it's about. It's on Tubi. It's on that free service. With a name like that, mm-hmm. knowing nothing about it, it could literally be about anything. Anything. I think it's about uh, probably some criminal underworld. Uh, for, based on the screen grabs, it is definitely multicam studio. Ooh. So you bet I'm going to watch that one. I assumed it was a nature show about birds. No, nope, it was a budgie. It's probably like it's probably Cockney rhyming slang or something uh, like that. Okay. Yeah, I, I discovered uh, watching the info text on another Doctor Who story that grass, you ever heard grass? Like, oh, you're, you're the grass. Mm-hmm. You're what grassed on us. Mm-hmm. That is Cockney rhyming slang. From grass hopper to shopper, shopper being your shopping info around. To, uh, That's a right? lot of leaps. Cockney rhyming. I know. There's no Cockney rhyming slang in this one, sadly. No. The Thals have not discovered <laughs> Cockney rhyming slang. Was the third Thal from anything else? or That is Tim Priest, and no, he is not. All right. I was just curious if there was anything. I I didn't recognize that they were Thals right away. I noticed, like, I noticed that they were all sort of styled the same, um, you know, same kind of hair, and they all seem to have sort of like a gold cast to their makeup a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, 
And I'm a little bit ashamed of myself that I did not realize that they were Thals, knowing that the name of this story is Planet of the Daleks, that there's a Dalek connection. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a little... The Doctor is quicker than me. But you know what? That's when I like it the best. I yes. like it better. I like it better when the Doctor is smarter than I am. Yeah. You know, and how we, the last time we saw Thals, it was in black and white. It's true. You know, mm-hmm. and they aren't on Scaro. They're on a planet that has Daleks on it, necessarily not planet of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And I did recognize as soon as they said Spyrodon, I was like, oh, I've heard that like mentioned later. Like I think it comes up in Asylum of the Daleks and it's mentioned a few times um, as being a place where the Doctor has encountered the Daleks previously. Quite possibly. It's also mispronounced by Sylvester McCoy as Spyrodon in Remembrance yes. of the Daleks. I love it when the Doctor changes pronunciations with red regenerations. <laughs> Metabolist forever. <laughs> Yep. Oh, what controversy. What controversy. <laughs> Metabolist. Remember those days? Uh-huh. Remember the worst thing about Doctor Who was a doctor actor mispronouncing a name because nobody told him how to pronounce it in the first place? Oh, it makes me so happy. I mean, I liked, that made me happy because I had never seen a, or a story with, with it being like said out loud that I remembered. So yeah. I had only read about it. So I just I thought it was pronounced Metabolist too. So right on, Matt Smith. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. So Spiridon, Spiridon, let's call the whole thing off. Bop, bop. Yep. Oh, is that it? Is that the end of it? Because I feel like that I... Would, that would have been a great place to end it, but been. I'm not done yet. Okay, what do you got? Um, I, I, had, I, this, I had a moment with uh, Joe noticing footprints, and I was like, okay, cool. Right. Like she's following some some footprints, and I, I love the set. You can talk about the set of the uh, the little adorable little spaceship, yep. which, is, which is great. It's a wobbly set that's supposed to be wobbly and has a telephone from the prisoner in it, which is also great. That's true. Um, kind of a space Winnebago when you think about it. It is. Yeah. I guess that's why I love it so much. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, but also then when I noticed the, the Thals leaving the ship and walking away, I noticed mm. their boots, and I was like, wait a minute. This this episode got things completely wrong because those footprints that Joe is following don't look anything like their boots. I can't believe they made such a really basic mistake in Doctor mm-hmm. Who. And then like two minutes later, right. we get to see there's an invisible thing that has like pr- boot prints that are more pointy. They look like, you know, pointy flat shoes. <laughs> they <laughs> do. It. Yeah. And actually, at first I thought maybe that was Joe finding her own footprints because she's also wearing kind of pointy <laughs> pointy shoes and boots and right. i was like is she just following her own footprints but no 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 um so yeah and then there's like some invisible thing and also the daleks are invisible and like there's there's some stuff happening i mean like squirt plants and stuff and i mean we've been to a planet with invisible creatures once before in, do you remember what it is uh well i know it was in the daleks master plan was it spyrodon no it wasn't but okay. it was written by terry nation yes it was yep, yep. so so that's another uh, re- thing that he has has repeated. Um, I'm gonna say, like, I don't know for sure, but I think it looks better this time. Like the uh, the footprints right. look pretty good. Uh, and also, I didn't. I, I, I was uh, even if I hadn't known that they were Daleks, I think I would have figured it out pretty quickly when I saw the like the quote unquote footprint of yeah. the Dalek. It was like a, a a big circle, and I was like, that's nice. That is that is well done. Good mm-hmm. good job. Yeah, they uh, the the effect that they uh, with the spray paint. Mm-hmm. What they tried to do is they f- tried to paint uh, a Dalek yellow to match the yellow screen, mm-hmm. and they could and then they would spray it with like actual paint to try to make, and it didn't work or something. Oh, no. So they had to they had to do some crate. They actually f- shot that, if you will, 
on location, quote unquote, because they they did some painting, but they didn't want to do it in the studio. So they literally opened the door onto like the parking lot mm-hmm. and put the Dalek there and like uh, did some other version of having it appear. And they actually dragged a camera still connected, like a big long snaking cable, pretty much as far as it could go, hanging so I could shoot out the door to have that special shot for the Dalek thing. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was amusing. It was like, I, I, I could definitely see what they were going for, and mm-hmm. I thought it was neat, but it did look a little bit janky, but I didn't care. Like, it was still pretty cool looking. I agree. I like CSO. I like them attempting new stuff with yeah. CSO, and it's uh, it's fun, mm-hmm. you know? Be ambitious, Doctor Who. Be ambitious. Exactly. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Always has been. Even when it shouldn't be, <laughs> it has been, yep. which is why we love it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Also, telepathic circuits, again. Here, here in the third Doctor era, which I did not know was a thing, as I've mentioned before. That's true. There aren't gooey things that you put your hands in, like in the Capaldi era. But yeah. uh, Ugh, that's just honestly, that's sort of a, a, a flip around because I would feel like in the more modern era of Doctor Who, I don't know for some reason I expect the TARDIS to be less I don't, I, steampunk. Yeah, well, I just want it to be less not goopy, I yeah, guess. Not goopy. Whereas this episode has so much goop in it, and it's really gross. Yeah. And I was just like, it's not like Claws of Axos level. Of gross and weird, mm-hmm. but it's gross and goopy and and weird. Is a bit. Yep, and Joe like I and I also laughed at Joe like taking off her mitten to reach down and touch something on the alien planet, which is very silly. I like those mittens too. Like I would wear those. Yeah, nice mittens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was uh, when I first watched this, um, I was what fifteen, sixteen, I think, because you know I I, I saw Perpy last for the most part. And uh, I, I've never been impressed by attempts to try and make an alien planet in the studio. Mm-hmm. Always kind of put me off a little bit. So this is one of those. So this this one and a couple others, whether it's like, they're just in the TV studio. Go to a quarry. If you're going to do an alien planet, go to a quarry. And this one wasn't. And it always kind of disappointed me. Because, you know, the lighting never quite works. And it's just like, you can tell like the, they're in like a five by five square foot thing in the corner of a studio for it. So I'm getting over it, though. A lot of the plants look like a child's project from like middle school or fifth grade. <laughs> and like, you know, oh, well, here's a paper mache plant. And right. here's a smiling little honeybee on the middle of a thing that's going to shoot your mm-hmm. shoot goo all over everything. I don't know. Anyway, it's a... I didn't mind. I thought it looked, you know, like weird. Yeah. Yep. It was uh, maybe uh, it's weird because uh, when I was growing up and watching Doctor Who and for some reason finding it cheap, but also endearing and Mm -hmm. exciting. And then I would see Star Trek reruns Mm -hmm. and it would just be like, you know, what what color is the cyclorama of this rocky planet going to be this, you know, Uh and that always took me out. The Star Trek thing always took (laughs) because I could tell they were on studio. And so even though Doctor Who was just in a quarry a lot of the time, it felt like it was like Mm -hmm. they're out. It was real. And whenever Doctor Who sort of veered towards the studio-based things like Star Trek, I was like, mm. not so your, not your thing, not my thing. Well, it's it's fine. Yeah, they. I mean, they they crammed a lot of stuff into that corner of the studio, so it was, you know, and put d- real dirt or something dirt-ish on the ground, mm. and you know, I thought they did a, a pretty good job. Yeah, look, you know what? For what it, for what it is, it, it it's pretty good. Uh, David Maloney will return to Doctor Who and create a much more. Uh, convincing alien planet inside a studio. But that's a tale for another day. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
possibly more Doctor Who is a tale for another day. Or maybe we'll we'll watch, watch some more today. Who knows? We make no promises on Lazy Doctor Who. Especially on your birthday. It's up to you. You can do whatever you want. You slept in until like noon. Mm-hmm. Yep. You watched an old movie. Uh-huh. We watched a Doctor Who. We were about to have a booster juice. Mm-hmm. World's your oyster. Whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's your day. Although... The next Doctor Who we should watch is episode two of Planet of the Daleks. Uh, yeah, do a podcast about. We're not going to jump ahead to okay. like the Rebels operation or yeah. anything. Or if we do, we're not going to talk about it on the podcast. No. Oh, just remembered. Okay. Listener question. Oh, am, am I asking it? No. No. Oh. Are you a listener? No. Well, <laughs> technically, but not really. No, you're not. I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> no, it's from uh, from listener Tansy. Um, I remember Tansy. (laughs) Yep, yep. uh, I spoke to her a couple of times over the past uh, couple of weeks, recording Verity episodes. Uh, She listened to our day-long extravaganza of uh, Frontier in Space, and she was tickled, like we were, that that lined up with when you were going to be watching it for your pilgrimage through one episode of Doctor Who a day. And she really needs closure. She needs to know, did you then... For the next, you know, six days, actually continue to watch one episode from Frontier in Space every day? Or did you just give yourself, you know, those next few days off and say, I just watched this? I actually watched episode one mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I did pause because I think it was a busy time. Pause and there's like or s- like just skip them st- and move I, on. I skipped them. I, I admit that I skipped I watched them. It's, I, not, you yeah, know? it's not technically skipping them. It's just not. It's watching them all ahead. You banked them. I did. Uh, I, right now I'm banking them too because we're going to go on a road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, in July, and I didn't want to have to be beholden to a daily schedule of watching Doctor Who, especially ones that you might not have seen. I don't yeah. want to spoil. So I've been watching two episodes a night up until the time we leave, and then catching up a little bit when we get back. So I'm well ahead right. now of where we are, which is good, because I didn't want to have to like watch Planet of the Daleks episode one, and then mm-hmm. two days later watch it again. So, mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at right now. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Because Tansy asked me, like, just in our little pre-show banter, and I was like, you know what? He never actually mentioned to me whether he was re-watching them all or whether he had just paused. So I assumed that you had just sort of paused because um, I feel like if you had watched them twice, you would would have told me. Yeah, I would have done that. I was uh, obsessed uh, with Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga at the time, too, and I'm I'm still not 100% completely done. But at the time, I was like, I have to play this game for eight hours straight to get all the little bricks so <laughs> so I get 100% game completion. And so it coincided with that. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there you go, Tansy. We Both of us now have closure. We know how Stephen managed to handle that. Right. And, uh, and yes, I'm glad I didn't forget that. That's good. Thank you, listener Tansy. We should also say, just in case uh, this is our last episode until our road trip, we might uh, record some stuff on our road trip because, you know, it's fun. Um, uh, but we're going to be at, uh, amazingly enough, we're going to be at Fan Expo Chicago mm-hmm. for a Doctor Who panel yeah. on Friday, July 8th. Yes. Because uh, our friend Kyle, Kyle Anderson, is putting on a Doctor Who panel and he put out a call thinking, does anybody know anyone in Chicago who would be on a Doctor Who panel? I go, wait a minute. We're going to be like two hours away during that weekend. So we're going to be on that panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Chicagoland uh, Doctor Who nerds, yep. uh, if you are going to Fan Expo, uh, we'll be there for this for the space of one panel and one panel yeah. only, and then we are getting the heck out of Dodge. But, uh, but yeah, that's the thing that we're going to do. Yeah, I think it's at two fifteen in the afternoon. They changed it since oh. I first told you about it. Well, if they changed it since you first told me about it, they might change it again between now and then. That's true. 
Check your programming. Check. I think it's all about what do we expect to see in the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, and one of them apparently is Neil Patrick Harris. So <laughs> there we go. There yep. we are. That's your scoop right there. It's on the scoop. It was announced earlier today. But uh, mm-hmm. so so there. So we even though we take a vacation from Doctor Who, we can never escape Doctor Who. And that's okay. That is okay. Anything left to say on this, your birthday episode of Lazy Doctor Who? Um. I wish I could think of something clever and delightful to say to to close this out on my birthday, but but you know what? It's my birthday, so I don't have to. Ha ha. You don't have to. There's no <laughs> burden. So all I have to say now is goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.